Good afternoon, everybody. It's always a privilege to be here. It really is. Not, yeah, I've just been with everybody. But it's, it really is. It's an awesome privilege. So um, you can take hold of your Bible. Psalm 9, please. Psalm chapter 9. What I'm going to teach on, I pray it comes with revelation. Because if it doesn't, it's maybe going to be a little boring. So, <laughs> But I just feel I need to. Psalm chapter 9. Very important, very important to understand. All right, Psalm 9, one verse. Let's go to verse, I don't know if Andrew's got up there, verse 9 and 10. It says this, Psalm 9, verse 9 and 10. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those that know your name will trust in you. Those that know your name will trust in you. For years, I've thought about that verse. I literally, I mean for years. Because the psalmist tells us, if we know the name of God, and He reveals Himself in different names throughout the pages of Scripture, He does. But if we know His name, then we know Him, and we'll trust in Him. Amen. It's very important. But we can only know His name... Revelation comes and understanding comes. It's one thing knowing a person or a person's name. It's another thing knowing the person. It's one thing knowing the name of God, but not knowing the God behind the name, if you understand what I'm saying. But every name that reveals himself and the way he unveils himself through Scripture has impact and meaning and carries weight and authority and purpose and healing and redemption all the way through scripture you with me amen so it's very very important and so in the bible there is a progression where god is revealing his name and it's obviously fulfilled in jesus all the names of the old testament that god reveals are fulfilled in jesus christ and we're going to have a look at that towards the end a name is so important in biblical settings i'm going to read some of the stuff that scripture frequently mentions god himself changing people's names to reflect something fresh or something new. Abram became Abraham. Abram means exalted father, and he was changed to Abraham. Man, you ever know this? Means father of nations. Jacob, whose name meant grabber or deceiver, received a new name after he wrestled with God, and his new name was Israel. So whenever you meet, read about Israel through the Psalms, it's actually talking about the nation of Israel, but it came through Jacob, Israel, which means the one who prevails. In the book of Isaiah, God changed the names of Isaiah's sons and daughters to signify his relationship with his people. And Isaiah is all about this man that God said, you must marry a prostitute. Imagine if somebody walked in here and said, God has told me to marry that lady and she's a prostitute. I think most of us would, what? But that's what God told this man to do. When he had kids through that lady, he changed their names. The first name was, I can't pronounce it, Lo Ammon, means not my people, and he changed it to Ammon, meaning my people. Then he changed the next name of the next child, which actually meant not pitied, to become one who's showing compassion. That's what he did. He changed the name. Peter, when Jesus met Peter, he said, your son of Jonah, but I call you Peter, a rock, 
He changed his name. Men in Rock, something to stand on. Uh, Michelle, my wife, four different times in her life, she had four different people coming to her over a period of four years and saying, people call you Michelle, but I call you Joy. He changed her name in his eyes to Joy. And Joy was what got Michelle through many times when she was going through some struggles. Jesus said this, I have made your name known to them and will make it known. So the name of God is very significant. Very, very significant. His name carries purpose, authority, character, power, destiny as he reveals his name. But using God's name at the beginning and the end of a sentence or in a prayer without really understanding or valuing who he is doesn't mean much doesn't because we don't understand it we don't have the revelation of it you understand what i'm saying for example the better you know the person the more effectively you can use the person's name if you don't know the person but you keep quoting people's name we call those people name droppers that's what we do and sometimes we do that with god we just drop his name here and drop his name there but not really understanding the impact of his name That's why it's important to understand his name. The better we understand God's names, the more we will worship him. The better we see and experience God's manifestation of his name in our lives, the more we will ascribe glory to him. And that's what the psalmist said, ascribe glory to his name. Amen. So we're going to look at three names. Can we do that this morning? Afternoon, we'll get that right. Genesis chapter 1. How's that? We'll start there. Genesis chapter 1. The first name is right in the beginning, because that's where we need to start. Genesis 1.1. The first name that God reveals himself. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Stop right there. That name is Elohim, where it says, in the beginning, God created. You can put the slide up, Andrew, of Elohim. There, I've written it there, the names of God, Elohim, the all-powerful creator. I'm going to briefly talk about each one of those, but he's the all-powerful creator. And the first thing the Bible says, he created. In the beginning, God created. So the all-powerful creator, Elohim, created. That tells us immediately that it's outside time and space. Because he created. He's not a tree or a rock or a fish. He created. So he's outside of that creation. That's what it tells us. He's not part of it. He's outside of it. He's above and beyond and outside of it. It also tells us he created the beginning. Therefore, he's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He created the beginning. He created time. God created time. And he works within time, but he's outside of time. You with me? That's Elohim. Let's go to verse 3. And it says, and God said, let there be light. So the first thing we can see is he's outside of time. Sorry, go back, Andrew, to the other slide. So he predates time and space. The next thing, he's personally involved in creation. And if you verse 3 to 5, it says, and God said, let there be light. 
And in verse 5 it says, and God called the light day. And verse 6, and God said. So you can see he's personally involved in this creation. He's personally involved in all that he's doing. He's not a spirit just floating around. He's outside of everything, but as yet he's personally involved in the creation that he's making. You with me? L-O-M. Next one, he's plural. Because the Bible says, let us make man in our image. And we know that the Bible unravels that where we come to the triune God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see that more in the New Testament than we do in the Old. But it's let us make man. So it's not just one, it's three in one and one in three. All right? And then the next one, he is the creator. The word LMM is used 35 times from Genesis 1, 1 to Genesis 2, 3. 35 times. Just says, and God did this, and God said that, and God did this, and God did that. And the, it literally means the strong one. And so he, he's the creator. And Hebrews 3, 11, you don't have to turn there, tells us that by faith we know that God created out of the unseen. He didn't need raw materials to create something. By faith we know that God created what we can see out of the unseen. In other words, he didn't need anything to create. He's God. Hello? That's why he can create a limb or a leg or whatever today. He's the creator. The first time he reveals himself. And the Bible says when he created, he spoke. Isn't that interesting? Imagine if he shouted. He didn't even use his hands. He just spoke, and it came to be. He just spoke, and it came to be. I want to read something to you. Scientists reported that each of the 100 billion to 200 billion galaxies they believe they have discovered have up to 100 billion stars in it. I know it's a lot. <laughs> and if 100 billion to 200 billion galaxies each contain up to 100 billion stars, it is too large for us to grasp. It is. It's just too large for us to comprehend. And then there's a galaxy named Anorodomede, who's ever a scientist or a stargazer, you'll know what I'm talking about, is roughly 2.5 billion light years away from us. And we all know light travels at 186 miles per second. So if you had friends, yeah, all right, sorry, 186,000. Thank you very much. I've got it, yeah, you're right. So if you had friends living on that planet and you sent them a message at the speed of a radio wave, which is the same speed as light, you would receive the reply in about 5 million years. You, we can't do that to understand that even though we think these iPhones are great, but they can't do that. But it's five million years you would get your reply. That's how vast and how big it is. And God created it all. Never reduce God, people. We always try and reduce Him. He's God, the Creator. Amen. So before God shows us His gentleness, His fatherhood, His grace, he introduces himself as 
Elohim, the strong one, the creator. And he wants us to understand that right from the beginning. He is above all, outside of all, but he personally involved in his creation. Amen. We'll see he's a restorer. In Genesis chapter 1, as we read, then if we go to Genesis chapter 2, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over. How many of you read a book by Basilia Schlink? She wrote a number of books about um, warfare in the heavens before man came on the earth and how Satan rebelled against God, etc., etc. That all happened before God created man. And many theologians believe, because that word formless, where it says it was formless and empty, it means it was uninhabitable. It was like a wasteland. Now God doesn't make that. He makes everything good. But the earth was uninhabitable at that time, and it was like a wasteland. Because I believe as well that when Satan rebelled, and I've got all the scriptures against the Lord, and he wanted to be like the Lord, the Bible says he cast him down to earth. And when he touched the earth, it changed. But God came to restore it. Because then God said, let there be light, and it was good. Let there be this, and it was good. In other words, he takes that which the devil messes and restores. The devil messes your life, he messes my life. God comes to restore it and get it back to the way intended to be. He's a restorer. Elohim is a restorer. <coughs> if you want, you can go read Ezekiel 14. Sorry, yeah, uh, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, and it's all the story there. Isaiah 45, 18 says, God formed the earth to be inhabited, yet it was uninhabited at the time until God restored it. Amen. That's L-O-M. 35 times. Next name. Now in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, and if you can go there, because as I said, all the time up to then, it's just God did this, God did that, God did this, God did that. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, it says, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were made, when the Lord God. So now he introduces his second name, Lord. And that name means Jehovah. Jehovah Elohim. Jehovah is used most common in or most amounts in the Old Testament, 6,519 times. And that's up there. It's his personal name. It's where he becomes personally involved with people in the well-being and the purpose of his creation. Although he created it in his outside, now he becomes personally. It's the relational name of God, Jehovah. Other words for it would be, um, sorry, I've got it here, Yahweh. That's the Hebrew name, Yahweh. We say Jehovah. That's him revealing his relational aspect of his name. It is the name God gave when Moses asked him, Moses, uh, Exodus chapter 3, remember the whole story? God comes, calls Moses through the burning bush. Moses comes to the burning bush, and you know the whole story went out, and God says, I'm sending you to deliver my people. And Moses says, you know, I can't speak very well. And the Lord says, but I'm sending you to go. And then he says, but if I go back and tell them, what you've told me, 
what do I tell them? What's your name? And God says, I am. We sang about it today. Jehovah. I am. Jehovah. That's the word Jehovah. I am. Amen. It's a relational aspect of God. It's very personal. As with Moses, so we can see when God first revealed his name Jehovah in 2 chapter 4 and Genesis 2 4, if you carry on reading, and then it says, When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant on the field had sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent the rain on the earth. And so you, you always see from then on it's Lord God. Verse 7, but the Lord God formed man, and he breathed into his nostrils. Verse, nine, verse 8, now the Lord God planted a garden. Verse 9, and the Lord God made all kinds of trees. Verse 15, and the Lord God took man and put him in the garden. Uh, verse 16, and the Lord God commanded. Verse 18, and the Lord God said. And verse 19, the Lord God said. It's Jehovah. It's a personal interaction. So we can see here God's ultimately, he's formed me in man. He planted a garden. He caused it to grow. He took man and put him in the garden. He commanded and communicated to man. He formed the very beasts. He brought them to man for man to name. He caused deep sleep to come upon a man. He took a rib out of a man and he fashioned a woman. It's personal, very personally involved. It's the personal side. Why is this so important? Because a person can know LOM and talk about LOM, but not know Jehovah. And the devil doesn't mind us talking about LOM provided we don't get connected to Jehovah, because then there's the distance. There's no personal involvement. You with me? That's why Jehovah reveals himself as Jehovah Rothe, the healer. Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah this, Jehovah this, Jehovah this. It's not L-O-M this, L-O- it's Jehovah this, Jehovah this, Jehovah this, Jehovah this, and the whole list of them, because it's his personal name. You with me? All right. So let's look what happens when the revelation and the truth about this name gets diminished or twisted or forgotten. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Now I want us to read this, because this is important. Now the serpent was more crafty than all of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, You must eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She gave it some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then both the eyes were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. When the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden, the cooler of the day they hid from the Lord God among the trees. What happened here? Obvious, I know what happened in terms of the apple and sin came in, but what else happened? Did you see it? Anybody? Sorry, I'm not trying, I'm just trying to get you to work it through. 
Shame came, all that shame came, sin came, fear came. But why? I know they were disobedient, but what was lost? The relationship. Because if you go right back to chapter 2, verse 4, where I said, when the Lord God made the earth, from then time it's Lord God, Lord God, Lord God. Chapter 3, now the servant was more crafty, and the Lord God, Jehovah, had said to them. But when Satan came, he left out the Jehovah part. He just spoke about the Elohim part. He left it out completely. And so did Eve when she answered. And so the whole conversation between the serpent and Adam and Eve is just God, God, God. But God didn't come as Elohim. He came as Jehovah Elohim. You with me? Folk, it's important. And I'll tell you why it's so important. Because when we miss the relationship with God, we begin to miss a lot of other things. The devil comes to pervert and steal and undermine and deceive. When that relational aspect with your Lord Jesus goes, and it just comes about going through the motions, then deception easily starts to come in. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Because that's what happened here. The devil took the relational aspect out of it completely. So they didn't connect anymore. And he just spoke about LOM. In removing the name Jehovah, Satan deceived her by removing the relational nature and character of God. And Eve did exactly the same. The devil didn't, doesn't mind you and I having a bit of God, a bit of the Elohim. Come to church and meet Elohim. Talk about Elohim as long as we don't bring in Jehovah because then it becomes personal. It's easier to talk about an impersonal God far off. But when we talk about Jehovah and his right here with us, he knows us, he cares us, he guides us and his Lord over our lives, it takes on a whole different meaning. And those are the first two names that God reveals himself. Elohim and then Jehovah. And then he continues to reveal himself more and more. But we're going to spring forward now to the New Testament. So let's go to Matthew chapter 1. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 1. Are you all with me? All right, wonderful. Glad you are. Matthew, did I say chapter 1? Sorry, chapter 1, verse 21. Bit of scripture. Okay. <clears throat> verse 20. But later, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Jehoshaphat, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this was to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah had said, that the virgin will be with child. And then he quotes Isaiah chapter 6, where it says, God, Emmanuel, Jesus, God, Emmanuel, he'll be with us. So Jesus comes to be with us, fulfilling all the names of God, God, Emmanuel, God with us. You with me? And he's the exact embodiment of every name in the Old Testament that God reveals. He's the exact representation. The Bible says he has the fullness of the deity. He's the exact representation. 
That's why Jesus said, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. And because I'm in the Father and I'm exactly what He is and He's exactly what I am, when Philip asked, show us the Father, He embodies all the fullness of the names of God in Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. So, let's go to the next slide, if we can. The fulfiller of names, Elohim, the strong creator. In Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority. All things have been created through him and for him. So Elohim is in Christ. Was created in Christ and through Christ. Amen. It's important. Next one. Jehovah. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Sorry, it's, it's, the spelling's all wrong. Then <laughs> the world will know that you sent me, and they love them as even as you love me. That's my wife's writing, unfortunately. I can blame her. Okay. <laughs> I'm in them and they in you. <laughs> She's not just. I can blame her. It's quite simple. Okay. <laughs> It's like the garden. It's what Eve, you see. She's personally gone, so I've lost the personal connection. All right. So next one, uh, Andrew. So then we get... You got the next, uh, next slide, Andrew? You got it there? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Amen. You know that one? I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He provides for us. Jehovah Jireh. We don't just want the, the Jireh part, we want the Jehovah part first. You with me? All right. Jehovah, I don't know how to pronounce his name, sorry. The Lord our warrior. I saw heaven, oh, also another spelling mistake. Standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. Amen. Next one. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. I have told you these so that in me you may have peace. Everything's in Jesus. That's the whole point of God revealing his names. And in Christ it all is put together. Jehovah, oh, please help me pronounce his names. The Lord my shepherd. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Isn't that amazing? Now you can see it. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world, I am your banner. Hallelujah. Next one. Jehovah, oh, whatever how you pronounce that, <laughs> the Lord who sanctifies. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is because of him that you are in Jesus Christ who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. The very prayer that um, Dwayne prayed. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among. Now we need revelation on these people. Let me ask you a question before I continue. Think of what God has revealed to you. What aspect of God is very real to you? Maybe you're growing in the others in Revelation. When I was preparing this, I thought about me. For me, there's three names that it's like a, 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 it's just real inside me. Savior, because of my salvation. He's my complete Savior. 
He saved me. I thought about it today. Where would I be if Jesus hadn't a good hold of my life? Where would I be? <laughs> guaranteed, not you. That's guaranteed. I'd probably be dead the way I was living. I'm saved. He's, yeah, hallelujah. Praise God. He's so personally involved. He's my Savior. He's my complete Savior. I know that inside. It's a revelation to me. I know He's my Father because there was a revelation to me. Because Isaiah chapter 6 says, Mighty Counselor, Everlasting Father. Emmanuel, God with you. And I know He's my Deliverer because of deliverance. Those three, it's like I'm, they're revelation inside me. The others, I know, but I'm letting them still develop inside me. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why it's key. That's why it's so key, folks. Don't lose your personal relationship with Jesus Christ because that's the key to the ongoing revelation of the totality of who God is. Carry on. Next one. Jehovah, as again, I can't pronounce it. Thank you. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And there are more. Carry on. I don't know if I put the rest up. Did I put any more up? Um, all right. Let's then. So what I try to do is I'll try to go through the Bible. I made a list. Sorry, I just want to get to my list myself. I don't know if you've got the first slide, Andrew. I'll just read it in case you haven't. From cover to cover, the Bible offers us insight into Jesus' character and purpose, the names of God. These descriptions from the 66 books of the Bible aren't actual names, but they give us a deeper and clearer glimpse into the one who has come as Emmanuel to be the living fulfillment and manifestation of all God's names. Amen. So, Oh, it's up there. Thank you. So let's go through it very quickly. In Genesis is the Creator God. We touched on that. Exodus, your Redeemer. Leviticus, your sanctification. So if ever you want greater revelation, I encourage you to read some of these books. Numbers is your guide. He guided the people through the desert. Deuteronomy is your teacher. Amen. Let's carry on going. Joshua is the mighty conqueror. Judges, he gives you victory over your enemies. Ruth is your kinsman, your lover, your redeemer. That's what Ruth is all about. One Samuel is the root of Jesse. Two Samuel is the son of David. One in two kings is the king of kings and the lord of lords. One in two chronicles is your intercessor and high priest. Ezra is your temple, your house of worship. That's what Ezra did, he built the temple. Carry on. Nehemiah is your mighty wall, protecting you from your enemies. It's all about building the walls in Jerusalem. Ezra, he stands in the gap to deliver you from your enemies. Job is the arbitrator who not only understands your struggles, but also has the power to do something about them. Psalms is your song and your reason to sing. Proverbs is your wisdom, helping you make sense of life and live it successfully. Ecclesiastes is your purpose delivering you from vanity. The Song of Solomon is your lover, your Rose of Sharon. Isaiah is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
Jeremiah is the balm of Gilead, the soothing soul for your sin-sick soul. Lamentations, the ever-faithful one on whom you can depend. Ezekiel is your will in the middle of a will, the one who assures you, assures that dead dry bones will come alive again. Daniel is the ancient of days, the everlasting God who never runs out of time. Hosea is the faithful lover, always beckoning you to come back, even when you have abandoned him. Because that's what happened, Israel abandoned him. Joel is your refuge, keeping you safe in times of trouble. Amos is your husband, the one you can depend on to stay by your side. Obadiah is the Lord of the kingdom. Jonah is your salvation, bringing you back to his wall. Micah is the judge of the nation. Nahum is the jealous God. Habakkuk is the holy one. Zephaniah is the witness. Haggai overthrows the enemies. Zechariah is the Lord of hosts. Malachi uh, is the messenger of the covenant. Matthew is the king of the Jews. Mark is the servant. Luke is the son of man, feeling what you feel. John is the son of God. Acts is the savior of the world. Romans is the righteousness of God. 1 Corinthians is the rock that followed Israel, because that's what it's about. Paul spoke about that. 2 Corinthians is the triumph one giving you victory. Galatians is your liberty setting you free. That's what the book of Galatians is about, freedom. It's for freedom. I came to set you free. Ephesians is the head of the church. Philippians is your joy. It's interesting, the Philippians book. Paul doesn't talk about any problems or issues in the church. It's just about rejoice and joy, rejoice and joy. Colossians is your completeness. 1 Thessalonians is your hope. 2 Thessalonians is your glory. 1 Timothy is your faith. 2 Timothy is your stability. Titus, God is our Savior. Philemon is your benefactor. Hebrews is your perfection or the completeness, the fulfillment. James is the power behind your faith. 1 Peter is your example. 2 is your purity. 1 John is your life. 2 John your pattern. 3 John your motivation. Jude is a foundation and revelation is your coming king. Hallelujah. That's why I started where I started. LOM and Jehovah. But it's all in Jesus Christ. Every single name is embedded in the one who came to walk on this earth, born through a virgin, walked on this earth, died rose again, ascended into heaven. Every name that God reveals through the Old Testament is embodied in his son, Jesus Christ. Never lose your relationship with Jesus, people. Hold it. Protect it. Guard it. Keep it. Pursue it. Run after it. Whatever it takes, keep your relationship with Jesus alive. Because of the revelation of who God is becomes more and more real in you. Because he's an embodiment of Elohim and Jehovah and all the other names that God reveals. Amen. Amen. So bless you all. Was, uh, that's what I want to share with you today.